the NFL playoff picture is locked in, and my go-to place for wild card round action is DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off the road to Super Bowl 57, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly. Plus, all new and existing customers can get a no-sweat bet each day of the wild card round this weekend. Just place any NFL bet of your choice, and if it loses, you'll get a free bet backup up to $10. Action so good, why bet NFL playoffs anywhere else? I really enjoy using the DraftKings Sportsbook app. It's easy and everything is at your fingertips. And all you have to do is download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use the code SOTS. New customers can bet $5 on the NFL and get $200 in free bets instantly only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Once again, use the promo code SOTS. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. And if you or someone you know that is dealing with a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be assessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER. That's 1-800-426-2537. You have to be 21 plus physically present in Louisiana. Eligibility restrictions apply. Free bets valid one per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit. Minimum $5 bet. $200 issued as free bets that expires seven days, 168 hours after being awarded. Sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Valid one offer per customer per day of the NFL 2023 wildcard round. Opt-in requests each day. First bet must lose after opting in. NFL bet only. Paid as one free bet based on amount of initial losing bet. <laughs> Hey, what's going on, sports fans? It is yours truly, TJ Jones. I am the host of the Gumbo Pot Sports Podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out. And special shout out to everybody that checked out the very first episode that appeared on yesterday. Uh, we did a, a breakdown of Wild Card Saturday. And uh, shout out to everybody that checked that out. And if you're new to this, um, this is a podcast where we focus on uh, sports uh, the NFL, NBA, boxing, uh, some of the biggest sports stories we cover right here. And this is our second installment of this. So if you like that kind of stuff, go ahead and hit that subscription button. And if you're kind of on the fence, hopefully by the end of this podcast, you'll go ahead and hit that subscription button. But in the meantime, please hit the like button. All right. <laughs> but let's go ahead and talk about Wild Card Saturday. Let's talk about Wild Card Saturday because, I mean, my goodness. Uh, it, it went from complete domination in the game versus the San Francisco 49ers and the Seahawks to one of the biggest comebacks in playoff history with the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Los Angeles Chargers. But let's go ahead and first talk talk about that 49ers game that took place in Levi Stadium. You know, if you were a betting individual, uh, this game was not a shock to you. Uh, it started off it started off a little tight, which I expected because. These are division rivals, and we all know that a lot of teams build their teams based on their division, and there were no secrets. I mean, both of these teams know each other. Now, they knew each other's tendencies. They knew the keys to victory, and 
when you look at the San Francisco 49ers, it just seems like they're on a different level right now. If you include yesterday's win uh, versus the Seattle Seahawks, they have won 11 games in a row. And Brock Purdy, the quarterback, third-string quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant in this year's draft, is playing out of his mind. He had four total touchdowns in this game. He threw three. He ran for one. Uh, started off a little rocky, which I expected that as well. I mean, the fact that you go from being Mr. Irrelevant to being thrust into a playoff game, you had to believe the nerves were were there. But uh, after halftime, they made some adjustments. He kind of calmed down a little bit, and he started to see the field. And one thing that I really liked about Rock Purdy, uh, I like the fact that how he improvised. I'm here. He reminded me a lot of Tony Romo. You know, a lot of people give Tony Romo a lot of flack because, you know, he didn't win the, the big game. But Tony Romo was a really good quarterback in his day when he was in his prime. And some of the things that Brock Purdy has done, uh, it, it kind of helps him. And it reminds me that of Tony Romo, his ability to escape out of the pocket, extend time to allow his receivers to get open. Uh, there was several times where he actually did that. <laughs> there was one uh, that he, he did and he threw to Brandon Ayuk in the back in the end zone. And Brandon Ayuk just clearly dropped it. I mean, it should have been a touchdown. But Brock Purdy has been playing outstanding. But if you're looking at this game, you, you got to give credit to the playmakers that are around him. I mean, Brock Purdy is basically throwing passes that, you know, for like seven yards. And you got guys like Debo Samuel turning seven yards into 67 yards. You got Chris McCarrick turning five yards into 65 yards. And George Kittle turning two yards into 22 yards. And when you got this type of yak going for yourself right the yards after the catch you know i mean how could you lose but you have to give kyle shanahan credit because he put this guy in this position and he got these playmakers around him and they're making plays and not to mention on defense the defense i mean these guys are hunting they, they're able to get to the quarterback uh armstead had a sack yesterday uh you know these guys find ways to get to the quarterback and they rattled Geno Smith. Geno Smith were trying to get the ball out of his hand. They kind of sped up the clock in his head, and, and it resulted in two interceptions. So Geno Smith, you know, I, I'm not going to say he played bad. I think that if you're the Seattle Seahawks fans, I think you may want to consider re-signing this guy. You know, Geno Smith, I know he's been a little bit of a journeyman throughout his career, but it really seems like he really has figured it out. And one thing that he did figure out was – how to get the ball into the hands of DK Metcalf. He had 10 receptions in the game, over 130 yards. And, you know, it, it was a big game for him because going into the game, these guys weren't on the same page. They had 13 targets, and I think DK Metcalf only caught four. So it's good to see that these guys are connecting, and that's something that you can actually bring into uh, next season if you decide to go the route of re-signing Geno Smith, which I don't feel like, you, you shouldn't because he's he's played really well. His completion percentage was the best in the league. He's clearly going to win comeback player of the year. So you got to give a lot of credit where credit is due. Pete Carroll and the Seattle Seahawks, even though they were eliminated in this game, in the playoffs, you have to give credit because nobody expected them to even be in this position. To say that they overachieved would be the understatement of the 2022 NFL season, but they did all the right things you know, in order for them to be at this point, uh, they relied on each other. The defense is still young. You got a lot of guys that are going to have to grow, guys like Kobe Bryant, uh, young cornerbacks uh, like Kobe Bryant and Michael Jackson. 
Uh, you got some young linebackers out there. You got two offensive linemen, rookies, right? Uh, well, you got uh, Lucas, uh, and then you also got uh, Charles Cross out there. I mean, so the sky's the limit for the Seattle Seahawks. They, they got what it takes, and um, I think that they're going to be winning uh, for the foreseeable future. And I cannot – I would be remiss if I didn't mention – uh, Kenneth Walker. Uh, Kenneth Walker really came on um, once Rashad Penny went down uh, in the game. He was lost for the season. Uh, Kenneth Walker really stepped up and really lived up to all the hype uh, he had coming out of Michigan State. So congratulations to the Seattle Seahawks. You didn't get what you wanted, uh, but as a, as a fan of the Seahawks, I'm pretty sure that you're pretty optimistic about what the future holds for your team. But the team that's moving on, the San Francisco 49ers, man, the team that has to play these guys in the postseason, they better watch out because this team is red hot and they can find ways to beat you. I mean, this game was a little close in the beginning, but they start to flex their muscle in the second half. And if you are not prepared, if you just think that you're just going to come out there and just throw the ball all over the place or run all through this team, you're sadly mistaken. Doesn't matter what your record is. Doesn't matter what your season is. The San Francisco 49ers have what it takes to get all the way to the Super Bowl, they are my Super Bowl pick, to be honest with you. Based on this playoff seating and this playoff positioning, I have them represent the NFC in the Super Bowl, and yesterday just proves that they're just playing on a different level. I mean, I got some stats right here uh, as far as the 49ers. Uh, I got Brock Purdy, 18 of 30 for 332 yards and three touchdowns. He was sacked one time. Chris McCaffrey, 15 carries for 119 yards. Debo Samuels, three carries for 32 you had Debo Samuels had six receptions for 133 yards. Brandon Ayuk, three catches for 73 yards. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had two catches for 17 yards. And George Kittle uh, had two catches for 37. Um, Nick Bosa has a fumble recovery. I mean, you look at these guys. I mean, come on, man. Dre Greenlaw is out there with 11 tackles. Like, how are you going to be able to stop some guys like this? I mean, you got Fred Warner out there. Uh, man, these guys are just on another level. It's going to take a... It'll take, it's going to take a Herculean effort to try to knock these guys off because you, it's going to be pretty tough. They play really good offense and really good defense, and they can run the ball well, and those are the recipes for success in the postseason. So looking forward to seeing what they're going to do in the next round, uh, and, and we'll see. You know, But right now, I don't think there's a hotter team than the San Francisco 49ers. I can tell you that right now. Then you had <laughs> – the game that everybody's talking about, I'm talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars against the Los Angeles Chargers. You had two star quarterbacks, right? Guys that a lot of people are considering to be the future of the NFL. You got Trevor Lawrence, quarterback of the Jacksonville Jaguars, 25 touchdowns. You got Justin Herbert, quarterback of the Chargers, 25 touchdowns. Like a big man on top of a roof, something had to give. And I, I can tell you right now, nobody thought that, the Chargers would be given like this. Like this game started off as a joke. I'm talking about an absolute joke. Trevor Lawrence, I, I made a joke. I said he was doing his, his famous Stephen Headache Smith impression. And for those that don't know what who Stephen Headache Smith is, I encourage you to check out this documentary called Bad Sport. When uh he played, he played point guard at Arizona State and uh he was uh convicted of uh point shaving. All right. And I ain't gonna lie to you. I'm not saying he did, but how awful he looked, it made you raise an eyebrow and wonder to yourself what's the fix in. But he threw four interceptions in the first half. Three of them 
was to Asante Samuel Jr. I mean, you could not have a worse first half than Trevor Lawrence. And I'm pretty sure everybody at TIAA Bank uh, Stadium probably thought, man, this game is pretty much over. I mean, the Chargers are just steamrolling us. But that's the reason why you play the game. And that's the reason why they have two halves. Because this game definitely was the tale of two halves. You had the Chargers that were playing like their hair was on fire. One, one half. And then you have the second half, Trevor Lawrence, who just came bouncing right back. And he threw four touchdowns in the second half. You have four interceptions in the first half and four touchdowns in the second half. I mean, this is unbelievable stuff. This is like watching a movie, right? When a guy is just nervous and then he has that pep talk, uh, pep talk with the coach inside of the locker room. And then all of a sudden, like, he comes out there and he just plays like a world beater. That's exactly what happened in this game uh, with the Chargers. You know, I, I know that they have a lot of Charger fans out there that are absolutely sick right now. I know there's a lot of Charger fans out there that probably would be calling for the head of head coach Brandon Staley, justifiably so. This team was up 27 to 7 going into the half. You had a 20-point lead. And the the plays and the schemes and the adjustments that they made in the second half were an embarrassment, an absolute embarrassment. Heads definitely got a roll. Brandon Staley was already on the high seat in a lot of corners because of his inability to get everything he could out of Justin Herbert. That's one of the main reasons why people were bringing up names like Sean Payton to be the next head coach of the Chargers. And it was no surprise that Sean Payton showed up to quite a few Charger games while he was working with NFL on Fox, which he still is. But he showed up to some Charger games. And a lot of people were looking at that as like an omen or something like that for Brandon Staley. But he got the team into the playoffs and people thought, well, you know, he got them into the playoffs. Let's try to alleviate some of this pressure off of them. But when you lose like this, when you are up by 20 points in the first half and you wet the bed and you lose 31 to 30 in a game, in a playoff game, you have to believe that the Chargers organization may be looking for greener pastures. Brandon Staley, you cannot, you cannot allow your team to give up something like that. I mean, some of the calls, some of the calls offensively in the second half for the Chargers were, I mean, it, they were head scratches. I mean, they you got to give credit to the Jacksonville Jaguars, though, because they completely neutralized Austin Eckler. And I just think that the loss of Mike Williams not playing in this game it, it was tough. I mean, Carter, the wide receiver for the Chargers, I mean, he got banged up in the game. You had Keenan Allen, who was the only one out there, seemed like he wanted to play him. And I, I give Gerald Everett some credit, too. He really stepped up. But they did not utilize a lot of these players the way that they should have. I, I didn't really see too many screen passes, them throwing the ball to Austin Eckler. We know that he can make plays in space. We know that he has the ability to catch the ball. He had over 100 catches, for God's sakes. I just don't understand why they didn't utilize him the way that they should have. But that's the reason why I feel like this is going to be Brandon Staley's last season as the head coach. You cannot give up that type of – you cannot give up that type of game in, in, in this type of situation. It is the playoffs. It is the freaking playoffs. You have to find ways to win football games, and he did not. And you got to give credit once again to the Jaguars because they could have easily rolled over. I mean, Doug Peterson could have easily just said to Trevor Lawrence, four interceptions, man, brother, it's just not your day. But he allowed him 
to play through the pain. And trust me, there was a lot of pain. It was a lot of pain if you're a Jacksonville Jaguar fan. Uh, but uh, that's the reason why football is the game of emotions. In the first half, you felt like the sky was falling. In the second half, you, you muster up one of the greatest comebacks we've seen in playoff history. So you got to give credit where credit is due. Doug Peterson, who is an amazing coach, I don't care what anybody says, the dude is a really good coach. And the Jacksonville Jaguars are lucky to have him. Me, um, growing up as a Saints fan, uh, I, I'm just wondering to myself, how did the New Orleans Saints allow Doug Peterson to get out of the door, to get opportunity to coach the Jacksonville Jaguars? They decide to go with Dennis Allen as the head coach, a guy who has a reputation for not winning a bunch of games and flake it out for the Raiders. But D Doug Peterson is a Super Bowl winning coach, and this is the reason why. You know, when it comes down to it, when you have a good coach on the sidelines, they're able to make those adjustments. And this was a masterclass, in my opinion. This is the reason why Doug Peterson was hired. This is the reason why you get guys that have been successful in the National Football League to coach your football teams. And this is one of the main reasons, in my opinion, why I think the Los Angeles Chargers are going to be calling up Sean Payton really, really soon. Because you need somebody out here that's going to allow these players to see the field and also be able to constantly reinforce no matter how bad things get that you have a chance to win. Trevor Lawrence was 28 of 47, 288 yards, four touchdowns, four interceptions. You had Travis Etienne who played really well. He had 20 carries for 109 yards, including a first down that kind of got them, uh, you know, to be able to uh, kick a game winning field goal. So shouts out to Travis Etienne. Then you have Evan Ingram who has been playing really well. I know the Giants gave up on him, but it's the reason why, you know, everybody was kind of high on Evan Ingram because they seen this type of production that he is capable of doing. He has seven carries of 93 yards and one touchdown. Christian Kirk, eight, uh, eight catches for seven, eight yards and a touchdown. Zay Jones. I mean, shouts out to the entire wide receiver group. I mean, each one of these guys that were part of their one, two, three, and four wide receiver uh, rotation caught a touchdown in this game so shouts out to these guys man for really stepping up and also shouts out to the defense allowing enough stops in order for trevor lawrence to uh facilitate this comeback so the jacksonville jaguars are going to be moving on uh there's a lot of questions that's going to be uh going going a lot of questions going down in los angeles i'm just wondering what they're going to do i'm wondering if brandon staley going to be able to keep his job after this I would be highly, I mean, I would be shocked, absolutely flabbergasted if this dude keeps his job after uh, uh, after they after the way they went to bed like that. Uh, unbelievable. Un-freaking believable. Also, uh, Luakon, uh, shouts out to him. He had 13 tackles. Josh Allen went eight tackles as well. Then you had uh, Trayvon Walker had a half of a sack. So it was a, it was a group effort uh, for the Jacksonville Jaguars and um they're battle tested all right i mean that's all you can say about them i mean this is a battle tested team so hopefully uh they can get to uh you know maybe they they'll find themselves into the super bowl i mean with a with a never give up attitude like that i mean you gotta at least think that they should be considered i mean anybody else i'm telling you anybody else probably would have laid down and said that it wasn't their day but credit to the jacksonville jaguars for showing a Herculean and warrior mentality in, in that comeback versus the Los Angeles Chargers. Let's go ahead and fast forward to Wild Card Sunday. Wild Card Sunday, we got some some games that are going to be taking place 
uh, on today, if you're watching this on a Sunday, you have the Dolphins taking on the Bills. That's a division game, even though th those guys are division rivals. Uh, you got the Giants uh, versus the Vikings, and you also have the Ravens versus the Bengals. Let's go ahead and start with the Dolphins uh, versus the Bills. Now, we all know that Tua Tagovailoa uh, won't be playing in this game. Uh, you know, he's been dealing with concussions uh, the entire year. Uh, shouts out to uh, the Buffalo Bills organization. Um, I heard that uh, DeMar Hamlin uh, visit uh, the team at their facility for the first time since that the, the situation occurred on Monday Night Football. Uh, still praying for that brother. Um, and I know that that gave them a little bit of a pick-me-up seeing their teammate, a guy who they've been praying for constantly and has been on their mind. So it's good to see that he actually came or good to hear that he came to, to the facility to see them. I'm pretty sure they were really excited about that. But you have the Miami Dolphins. I mean, you look at the Miami Dolphins team sputtering down the stretch. They started red hot. The beginning of the season, they started red hot. You, it, I was wondering to myself, like, who is going to be able to stop this offense? With all this talent with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, I mean, got two of the fastest guys in the league. Tua Tagovailoa was up there in completion percentage. I mean, it seemed like the offensive line was working. The defense was flying around. They end up signing Bradley Chubb via trade. Uh, from the Denver Broncos so it seemed like they were trying to tighten up on a defense I mean it, it seems to me like this team could do no wrong and you could make an argument to say that this team probably would have been one of the top seeds but then all of a sudden to a talk about lower uh, on a Thursday night gets slammed to the ground uh, that was a scary sight to see you know him having temporary paralysis like that but it just seems to me like they were never the same after that you know it was uh, quarterback by committee uh, Teddy Bridgewater came in he got hurt and then the third string quarterback came in and he got hurt I mean he didn't get hurt but he had to play but it, it was just a whole bunch of it, it was just a whole bunch of diversity that this team had to deal with uh, down the stretch and it was, it was kind of impossible for it to um, for them to kind of overcome that but they found a way to get themselves into the postseason and be in this position to take on the Buffalo Bills a Buffalo Bills team that has already been good the entire season. And now this team is even more inspired for what happened to their teammate, DeMar Hamlin. So the here's the keys to victory for the, uh, the Miami Dolphins, in my opinion. Okay. You're going to have to be able to establish the run. You're going to have to be able to do that. All right. It's going to be tough because we know the Buffalo Bills are a team that plays, uh, you know, they play really good defense and they have a really good defensive front. So you got to use guys like uh, Raheem Mostert. I mean, you got to make sure that you try to find ways of uh, getting the ball into his hands. And also, even if you kind of set up some screens to get it, you know, get it, you know, have an extension of the run. You have the extension of the run. You got to be able to do that. And also, man, you got to be able to get the ball into the hands of Tyreek Hill. Like, I, like I mentioned, you know, they're going on their third string quarterback. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's nervous as I don't know what. Uh, he's going into this game and, uh, you know, it can be scary. Right. So my thing is, I think you need to get the ball out of his hands pretty quickly and kind of similar to what we've seen in the 49ers games. Get the ball into the hands of your playmakers. Get the ball into the hands of Mike Kosicki. Uh, You know, allow these guys to be able to get their yards after the catch. Tyreek Hill, get yards after the catch. Jalen, Jalen Waddle, uh, getting, you know, getting yards after the catch. Like you got to be able to find ways to get the ball into the hands of these guys. Uh, in order for you to have any level of success because we know what Josh Allen can do. All he threw, all he did was throw for 4,200 yards, 35 touchdowns this season. And we know that he has playmakers 
out there, right? He has playmakers everywhere. He has Singletary, you know, the running back. He has uh, Stephon Diggs out there. I mean, they got so many guys that they can get the ball into the hands of Knox. So many guys. And you know that they're going to put their foot on the gas because we know Buffalo likes to start strong. They like to start fast. They like to make sure that they leave very little doubt for a team to believe that they can come back. Now, I do feel like this game is going to be uh, pretty competitive. I'm always going to say these games are going to be competitive when they're playing a division rival because you know those guys. There are no secrets, right? Everybody knows everybody, and teams build for their division. They, they build their teams so they could uh, be able to win their division. So this game is going to be pretty competitive, but I just feel like probably – uh, later on, as we saw in yesterday's game versus the 49ers, if you're watching this on a Sunday, of course, you see that the better team flexed their muscle. And I just think that that is what's going to happen in this game. The Buffalo Bills are just a really good football team. And once again, they're inspired. They're going to be inspired to play this game. I'm pretty sure somehow they're probably going to put DeMar Hamlin up on the screen or he's probably going to be there somehow. Or there's just like... I, I cannot see the Buffalo Bills losing this football game. I cannot. I cannot. They, they will be too inspired by their fallen teammate uh, to go out there and just wet the bed. I, I, I think that if you look at the game that they played in week 18, how that started, it started with a kick return for a touchdown. I mean, it was like a storybook, right? And I just think that they're going to be inspired to win this football game. So I got the Buffalo Bills winning this football game pretty easily. And um, the Miami Dolphins going to be headed back uh, to Miami. Uh, next game is the Giants versus the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, both of these teams have rookie coaches, Kevin McConnell for the Minnesota Vikings. And you also have Brian Daybold, rookie coach for the Giants. Now, these two teams are teams that don't give up. These are two teams that are pretty tough. These two teams, no matter what the score is, they're going to fight to the very end. We've seen the Minnesota Vikings. We've seen them play some bad football, but still find themselves on the receiving end of a victory. I, I remember the game versus the uh, New Orleans Saints early in the season. I remember the game versus the Washington Commanders. I mean, there were so many games where the Minnesota Vikings uh, should have lost, but instead they won. I'm not really sold on the Minnesota Vikings. I, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not sold on them because they remind me a lot of last year's Pittsburgh Steelers team. Like, they were 11 and 0, but, uh, or, you know, like, eh, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, y'all was 11 and 0, but it wasn't really impressive, right? Or, or like how the Arizona Cardinals was. I mean, you won, I went, you won like 11 games in a row, but it wasn't really impressive, right? It's it like, yeah, but there's some teams that are better than you. And I feel like it's the same way with the Minnesota Vikings because, I mean, it's too much of a mixed bag for me. Like, Kirk Cousins won game or go out there and, and light it up, right? three full touchdowns, uh, high completion percentage, high quarterback rating, and then all of a sudden the next week is like he forgets how to play football. It's like this team is just too much of a mixed bag. And I just think that there, there are teams that are a lot better than they are. Now, I'm not going to poo-poo on them. I mean, you win 13 games. That's impressive. I don't care how you do it. If you won 13 games, you won 13 games. But I just think that the Giants are going to be ready for this game. Ryan Daybowl has injected a, a, a lethal injection of, of positivity and energy and courage and fight 
and grit and all these different things inside of the New York Giants organization. Like you can tell, like the, the personality that he has, these guys are, are carrying it with him. He has Daniel Jones playing like a pro. He has uh, Saquon Barkley uh, bouncing back, you know, after years of, of having these injuries, you know, that has been keeping him out. These guys are going to be ready to play. And then you have Kayvon Thibodeau, who has really been coming on. This guy has become a sack machine, and he's going to be a problem for years to come. They have a young defense, but these guys are going to be able to fly around against the Minnesota Vikings. I'm very concerned about the Minnesota Vikings defense, especially when it comes to the secondary. Now, I think that this matchup might be a little bit better catered to them because the New York Giants, to me, don't really have the best wide receiver corp that you're going to find. I'm pretty sure that they're probably going to be trying to get a wide receiver in the draft uh, this, this year in 2023. But I just think that it's a better matchup for them, but they still are susceptible to getting beat. So this game here might be the game on Sunday. This might be the game Sunday because I think when you have two rookie coaches trying to impose their will, trying to establish themselves as the face and a name of an organization, I think they're going to pull out all the stops to win this game. But who do I feel like is going to win this game? Well, I feel like the Giants, believe it or not, are going to win this game. Yes, the Giants are 9-7-1. and Yes, you know, a lot of people felt like, yeah, should they be in the playoffs? But the Giants are a really scrappy team. I feel like they are a couple years away from really being a legit contender in the NFC. They are a couple plays away from being uh, one of the best teams uh, in the NFL. I think they need a couple of little wide receivers, a little bit more help on defense, but I think they're going to eventually uh, get it together. I got the New York football Giants winning this football game uh, and I just think that it's going to be a really close game, probably going to come down to a field goal, but I think the Giants are going to go ahead and get it done. And lastly, uh, we have the Ravens versus the Bengals, another uh, playoff division game, right? Two teams that play in the same division going up, going head to head. But there's a problem, right? Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson will not play in this game. Now, we all seen the tweet that happened with Lamar Jackson a couple days ago, and I'm going to read that for you right now. He says, thank you, everyone, for your support and your concern regarding my injuries. I want to give you all an update uh, as I am in the recovery process. I suffered a PCL grade two sprain on the borderline of a strain three. There is still inflammation surrounding uh, my knee and, and my knee. It says remain unstable. I'm still in good spirits as I continue with treatment on the road to recovery. I wish I could be out there with my guys more than anything, but I can't give 100% of myself to my guys and my fans. I'm still hopeful we still have a chance. So that comes from Lamar Jackson. And if y'all hear some singing in the background, that's that's my son Paxton, all right? Because <laughs> he's right there on the floor with me. So I apologize if y'all can hear it, but hey, man, father first, right? But anyway, um, Lamar Jackson, you know, Lamar Jackson not playing in this game. Um, to me, it's a smart business decision. I know that Ravens fans are mad, are probably upset about that, but don't get mad at Lamar Jackson. Like, get mad at your organization because you had opportunity to sign this guy and you didn't, right? Is he a quarterback? Can, can the way that he played a quarterback position? Is this sustainable success? All these different things, blah, 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 blah. But guess what? You know, like, just like, 
you know, y'all want to get mad at Lamar Jackson, but, but oh, he can play. He can play. Like, get mad at your organization because you had an opportunity to avoid this situation from happening. Do I feel like Lamar Jackson is hurt? Yes. Do I feel like Lamar Jackson, you know, probably could give it the old college try and go out there and play? Yes. But should he play, in my opinion? Absolutely not. And you brought it on yourself. The Ravens organization put themselves in this position. You put yourself behind the eight ball by not doing right by this man. And now you got to pay the price. And hopefully, guys, you know, your, your two quarterback system that you're going to reel out there today, hopefully it pays dividends for you. You know, Tyler Huntley, you know, he's been playing OK, but he's been dealing with injuries. You know, I, I, I just think that they're going to have to find a way to be creative in order for them to win this game. It would have been a tough game, in my opinion, even if Lamar Jackson actually played in this game. Because the Cincinnati Bengals are one of the most red-hot teams in all of football. Joe Burrow is ice cold, okay? I mean, the dude has ice water in his veins. There's a reason why they call him Joe Shiesty. There's a reason why they call him Joe Cool. There's a reason why he got all these different nicknames. Because this team believes in this guy. You got wide receivers that, you know, he's willing to give the ball to just to instill confidence in him. If they drop a pass, he's still going to him. He is allowing these guys to make plays. He doesn't care if a guy is in a, in a, in a wide receiver's hip pocket. He's still going to throw them the football. When you have a quarterback like that, wide receivers want to do well. When you have a quarterback that is that is this talented, this cold and calculated, the offensive line step up, the defense step up, because they feel like they have a chance. The Baltimore Ravens, defensively, yes, they do have a chance. They they. They are going to sign Roquan Smith. They already established a contract with him in principle. So he's going to be there for the next couple of years. I mean, you got Calais Campbell out there. I mean, you got talented uh, people, uh, members of the secondary out there. They got ways of getting the ball back into the hands of the offense. This game is probably going to be a defensive struggle, in my opinion. Uh, the Cincinnati Bengals, you got to give them credit. Their ability to be able to get home and rush by rushing four is incredible right you don't really see too many exotic blitzes coming from cincinnati you mostly just see them trying to get home and they have some guys right sam hubbard and you, you got trey hendrickson out there man these guys they they got man they got some playmakers out here on this team and also you got some guys that can get the ball get some interceptions guys like von bell i mean <clears throat> they are they are a really good football team and i really feel like they're going to win this football game now you have to be able to give them the advantage due to the fact that Lamar Jackson isn't playing. But I think I still would be picking the Cincinnati Bengals, even if Lamar Jackson was playing in this game. For the offense of the Ravens to keep this thing competitive, I mean, you got to get the ball into the hands of Mark Andrews. Uh, you got to be able to be creative. You got to get the ball, once again, out of the hands quick. I'm always going to say that when you have a guy that doesn't have that much experience, when you have guys that are probably going to be a little bit nervous due to the fact that they're playing in the postseason for the first time, like you got to be able to get some guys that can, you know, that can work with them. And you also got to make things a little bit more uh, simplistic for them. But I think the Cincinnati Bengals are going to win this football game. I think it's going to be a tough game for, for both teams, but I just think that based on the Cincinnati Bengals having a better quarterback, the better offense and uh, you know, the defense is pretty good as well. I got them winning this football game. It should be exciting. Should be exciting a wild card Sunday. Um, and I will be back uh, immediately following uh, the first game. 
I have an interview uh, with my good friend, uh, DJ, from the NFC South versus NFL. Uh, he's a huge Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan, so he's going to be talking to us a little bit about uh, the game that's coming up on Monday night, the Cowboys versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So hopefully I'll see you back then. And hopefully um, you enjoy the Gumbo Pie Sports Podcast. Right? I ask that you hit that subscribe button if you enjoy the show. I ask that you hit the like button. We got previous episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM. And uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at TJAYJones8. Till next time, I'll see you down the road. Thank you.